0: My birthday's coming up So that's Ooh, cool I guess So yeah. uh, 50 Big 50 yes, yes Big 50 Big 50 <laughs> um, Got to hang out with just my mum and I That'll be epic <laughs> So Yeah
1: Serious new set, but same old host, guys. Sorry about that. But we are excited to be here at Soul Revival Church, and we are excited to have Soul Revival Digital on your Saturday night again. And I'm joined by two new people on the panel. First up, Courtney, how are you?
2: Hello, I'm well, thank you. Joel, Uh, how are you?
1: I'm excellent, because uh, (laughs) excited to have you on the panel. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Now, uh, what's been going on? You're recently married, and uh, you were the last... uh, Wedding, I was going to call it marriage, the last <laughs> wedding here at Sol Royal Church before lockdown. Cause they, did they lock down on the same day you got married?
2: That's correct, oh. yes. So they locked down on the 26th of June at 5pm and my wedding started in the morning on the 26th of June. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, we were able to still have the reception, so I'm very grateful for that, but been in lockdown ever since, so...
1: Excellent, good test, good early test for the marriage (laughs) For (laughs) sure (laughs) Just being locked in the same, you're in a unit? Yeah, Mm, yeah, yeah, two bedroom unit Yeah, okay, that's cool Or you can go in different bedrooms if you have to (laughs) (laughs) Just to get a bit of space from each other Lewis, how are you, man? I'm good, how are you? I'm excellent, Uh, what are you excited about? Anything exciting this week or coming up for you?
0: No, not really, everything's pretty uh, boring at the moment Just on holidays, so, you know Oh, is that right? I heard a little
1: birdie said that it was your birthday coming up Not true it's not, not true. my
0: birthday,
1: no. No? No. Oh, okay, well that's a bit sad. You can't get me this time, Joel. I'm yeah, sorry. no. We actually re-recorded this segment and I tried to say that, uh, he's, uh, not Ethan, Lewis was 50. I'm not having it. No, you're I'm not, not, not the big ha- 5-0? I'm 50. Well, how old are you actually going to turn then? 49. 49? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Did you just reveal that your birthday's very soon, but October 5th. Mm, that's a week, isn't it? Yeah, that's a week Is it a week? Yeah, it's close. that close it's gotta be. Yeah, that's it's that close oh, I don't, So really. you better get the 50th birthday celebrations ready
0: Yeah, okay Guess I have to
1: <laughs> Cool, thanks for joining us that's okay. <laughs> We're going to um, raise the level of this at the moment And make it really exciting Because we're going to have a song we're going to sing to our great God Let's do that
3: great to be back. Uh, I'm here with my friend Courtney. Hey Courtney.
2: Hello everybody. And
3: of course with Lionel. Hey Lionel. Hi Tim. Hi Courtney. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Hey Lionel, it's great to be back on the new set. Do you like the new set? No. Oh, why don't? (laughs) Cause it needs more orange. More orange. That's what you bring. The orange, mate. You bring. I the bring orange. the green. Uh, that too. You're the green and the orange. That's why we don't use green screen. <laughs> no, you just blend into the background, <laughs> yep. you? I disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've <Bye-bye>. got <laughs> we've got a new uh, a new set for a new series, as Giles has explained. Um, we're talking about one John. Do you know anything about the book of or the letter of one John, Lionel? It's short. It's It's pretty short. Not as short as two or three, John, but it is fairly short. Yep. Yeah. Um, no co- pictures, though. Well, it depends on the Bible, I suppose. I've got a couple of pictures in this Bible. Ooh. Yeah. Can I see? Uh, no, it's not in the one John section. There we go. That, uh, <laughs> I told you. Yeah, see, well, I've got a picture there of um, Jesus rising from the dead. That's pretty Yay! cool. Yeah. Um, and now I've lost my place. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Courtney, um, uh, what, what do you know about the book of one John?
2: Well, in one John, uh, we do talk a little bit about John and who he trusted.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the, the ways he opens, isn't it? Um, we'll, we'll get there in a sec, um, Lionel. Who do you trust? You. You trust me. Why do yep. you? Why do you trust me? Because you've got a trustworthy face <laughs> under the mask. <laughs> under, under the mask. Okay. Can't trust you with the mask. off. There's my trustworthy <laughs> face. Trust <you. laughs> don't, don't trust me. Nope. Trust. <laughs> ah, um, um, yeah. Ah. Okay. Um, <laughs> freaking me out. Ah! Uh, who, who else do you have in your life that you trust? Who are some of the trustworthy people that you have? Uh, my mum. Your mum? Yeah, yep. that's a good one. Yep. Dad. Yep. Excellent. What is it about your mum? Like, why? What do you know about your mum that helps you to trust her? Uh, Because she does stuff that shows she cares and loves me. I see. That's good. And you've noticed that over time. Yeah. That's pretty cool. When it comes to one John, uh, John starts his letter by talking about trust uh the trust that he has in jesus and therefore the trust or one of the words in one john is the assurance that we have are uh, you sure i am sure i'm sure absolutely sure Assured. Assured. Ah. i yeah uh that the we talk about the trust here's what uh john says right at the start he says uh we saw it happen And we are witnesses to what we have seen. What did he see? He saw Jesus. Ducks crossing the road? No, he didn't see ducks crossing the road. I mean, he may have. I don't know. Funny on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, He definitely didn't see anything funny on YouTube because uh, YouTube hadn't been invented yet. Oh. (laughs) Can you think of anything else that he might have seen, Lionel? Um, Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, We're going to talk about a little bit later about the other books that... Uh, John wrote but he wrote a whole gospel. He wrote more? He did. Like yeah. five, six, seven letters? Uh, he's written five books in the New Testament. Five? Yeah. That's more fingers than I have. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you're going to have to use both hands. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Um, but one of the things that John wrote is his gospel, and he wrote uh, a whole biography of Jesus of the things that he was there and that he had seen. Um, and this is important because when it comes to the issue of trust, John's trying to help us to understand that we can trust his message because he was there with Jesus. He saw the things that Jesus did, and here's one of my favourite ever verses. I want you. To, I'm going to ask uh, Courtney to imagine in a second. Um, one of my favorite ever verses is John chapter twenty, verse thirty, where it says Jesus worked many other miracles for his disciples, and not all of them are written in this book. What here's my question, Courtney. What's one thing that we don't know about Jesus that you would like to know?
2: I would love to know what meals jesus made i would love to know what food he cooked for his friends i would love to know what their fun house parties were like where they would have birthday parties what would they have at their birthday parties it would have been so fun to know about that
3: it would be pretty cool wouldn't it yeah and that's it like it doesn't take a very long time to read the gospel stories um and so there's just so much of Jesus' life and John tells us there are even miracles that he did that we don't know about. Oh, I think that's endlessly fascinating. Isn't that cool, Lionel? Very cool. <laughs> I know one meal Jesus made. What's one meal that Jesus made? Fish and rolls. <laughs> <laughs> he did make that one, didn't he? It was roly good. <laughs> <laughs> did you just say
2: roly good, Lionel?
3: Rolly good. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much.
2: <laughs> Have you ever had chips on bread before, Lionel? Yep. Is it the best thing ever? What do you think of it? Don't know. Couldn't taste it. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we're going to have to get you on an episode of the Chip Lunch podcast, I think, Lionel. Oh, is know, there chips? In. There are chips, sometimes. Yay! Actually, maybe once. Oh. There was chips. <laughs> if <But> there's <laughs> chips, I'm there! <laughs> well, guys, we're about to go uh, into the Bible reading, and it'd be great for you to listen out for these verses where John assures us of that he's telling us about the things that, we, that he has seen, and therefore we can trust him. His message. So we're going to uh, head to the Bible reading now. Thanks, Lionel. Bye. Thanks,
2: Courtney. See you later.
4: So now it's time for the Bible reading. And we'll be reading from 1 John from the beginning of chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 2, if you want to follow along at home. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world.
1: Welcome back, everyone. It's very cool to have Jeff reading the Bible for us. So thanks very much for that, Jeff. And uh, I'm joined here on the panel by Lewis again, and also Stu. How are
5: you? Hello,
1: Joel. It's good to be here. It's good to see you. Uh, we are studying a new sermon series. Do you want to give us a quick flyover of what we're doing?
6: Yes, it's one of my favourite books in the Bible, one John, really? written by John. 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 Uh, and the whole Bible is terrific. But uh, I'm sure, like me, you are drawn to certain things at certain times that are very meaningful and encouraging. Uh, We're doing a series in 1 John that is meaningful and encouraging and uh, so what we're going to be looking at is the theme of the fact that Jesus was incarnate. He was God who became man and he came to give us new life in christ and so there's lots of really exciting things about what that new life looks like how we can fight against sin and overcome sin in our life and how uh the difference he makes to us about how we can love one another so love's going to be a really big thing
1: yeah cool uh, lewis uh, anything you'd like to ask you before he gets into the series have you got any pertinent questions
0: no just have to see what he has to say and then i might ask questions later if that's going to happen <laughs> yeah it's yeah. definitely going to happen so yeah so <laughs> I'll, I'll wait till
1: then well Let's just throw straight to you, Stuart. Go ahead and let rip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
6: you, Joel. I will. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's terrific that you've joined us again uh, during lockdown, we've uh, obviously been missing each other and we've really missed the opportunity to put into practice so much of this uh, You know, regular gatherings week to week. But I just wanted to make a comment as we begin today that it's just encouraging me the number of stories I'm hearing coming back from people about how many people are actually seeking to love one another through COVID and being so creative in that. Not only is the staff team reaching out in so many different ways, but I'm also having uh, so many stories of people going on walks with each other and uh, ringing each other and texting each other. And the other really great thing that I'm finding is people who are feeling like they need support, uh, I think, are reaching out and, and seeking support more this year than last year. I don't know if it's because we're doing our green, red, yellow, uh, you know, let people know uh, how you're going. But it's encouraged me to hear that. But I also want to say that even though there's a lot of uh, people encouraging each other, I'm sure that there is a a great deal of stuff that is hard to share as well. And so I just wanted to use uh, today's sermon as an opportunity to encourage us uh, to reach out if we need help, but also if... If we find that difficult, we find it hard to talk to other people about how we're feeling. That's okay uh, because one of the great messages of 1 John is Jesus is our best friend. He is our God who has under—he has come and he's become a man and he understands uh, the, the weaknesses and the frailties that we have and he will never ever let us go. And so what we're going to see in 1 John is there is this beautiful assurance that if you have trusted in Jesus, you can be sure that God... That Jesus will accomplish in you what he has begun. He He has given you uh, this beautiful promise of eternal life and if you have put your faith in Jesus you can be assured of that eternal life because Jesus is God. Also uh, I want to encourage you that there's a great encouragement to loyalty to the Christian faith in the uh, passage that we have today and right through the next couple of weeks. We're going to see that um, the fact that we have a new life in Christ means that our faith gives us the opportunity to be uh, committed to our faith during COVID or non-COVID times. Sometimes the Christian life is difficult. And for the people that John is writing to, they have had a difficult time of it because we think they're from Ephesus. Uh, We're pretty sure that that's the group he's talking to. Uh, And in Ephesus, they had a particular problem with false prophets. And these false prophets were leading people astray. But it's their lays a focus on Jesus that's going to make the difference. And one of the things we love about uh, our little expression of local church here at Sorrow Revival is that we believe that Jesus changes everything and indeed John is of the same mind. Now, uh, the author of 1 John, as I said, we, uh, we, we are very confident that it is John, Jesus' disciple. Uh, in the letter, uh, not only in 1 John but in 2 John and 3 John, he refers to himself as the elder and we know that this uh, letter was written, uh, because it was written by John, it was written within the first century of the Christian faith. So what's really important to John here as he writes this letter is he wants to really nail down some of the really important aspects of the Christian faith. Uh, I remember having a Christian minister who was uh, one of my ministers when I was younger, and he regularly got up almost every week and said, the same gospel message over and over no matter what passage he preached from and one day when I got a bit older and I got a bit bolder I said to Jack Derritt I said Jack you just say the same thing over and over a little bit sometimes I was a bit arrogant a bit young you know how young arrogant people can be and really lovingly he understood that I was a weaker brother in that context that I was still maturing as a Christian and rather than rebuking me for my arrogance he said well you know Stuart when you have difficult situations in your life go back to basics And what I like to try and do in my preaching, he said, was I want to give people a reminder of where to go back to if you lose your way. That's a good uh, point, isn't it? That sometimes in life we can lose our way. And here in the Christian community that John is talking to, they were in danger of losing their way because false prophets were taking them off on side tangents from the regular Christian path. And so, what John's doing here is he's saying, Come back to the beginning. Let's remember the basics. And if we can do that, we know we won't get lost. A little bit more on the recipients of this letter. There's a beautiful old story about John that I wanted to share with you. It's actually not in the Bible, but it's a tradition that was written about John. And we don't know for sure if it's true. But this traditional story actually really resonates with me because it actually seems to be uh, the person that I read as the author of this letter when I hear this story. Apparently at the end of his life, according to this tradition, which again, like I said, it doesn't actually come from the Bible, but it's a tradition. uh, Apparently John was so old that he couldn't walk to church anymore. And so what he did was he asked the young men of the church to come and get him. Now this is a time before Uber. It's a time before uh, wheelchairs even. And so these young men from the church would go around to John's place and according to the tradition, he would get on a stretcher as the four men would then carry him from his house to the church. And as they carried him to the church, apparently he would teach them on the way to church. And he didn't just do this once, he did it every week. And according to the tradition, what he taught them was the same thing every week. In fact, it was just the same sentence that he would say over and over as they walked to church. And the sentence was, love one another, love one another, love one another. Isn't that just a beautiful story? Now, it might be a tradition, it might not be true, but it actually resonates with two things that I get from one John. First of all, it's obvious from the letter that John is intimately involved with this community. He's not speaking to a group of strangers. He's writing a letter to them in very simple, clear language with a great deal of affection, and familiarity. And he's writing to a group of people whom he loves, and he's writing to them as a group of people he understands. Secondly, John is actually telling these young men that they need to prepare for the time when he's not going to be with them. We know that John was actually the last apostle who remained alive after all the other apostles were either executed uh, and dying for their faith in different places, or like John himself, who was in prison on Patmos. All of the disciples had suffered greatly for the message of love that they'd been taught by Jesus. And what John's going to do now in this letter is show us really clearly that the message of love one another doesn't just come from him, but it comes from Jesus, because he is the incarnate son of God who speaks with authority. And he's going to show us in this letter that Jesus not only teaches love, but he shows us how to love by laying down his life on the cross for us so that we might be reconciled to God and reconciled to one another the second part of this message love one another is that not only are we loved by God and we know what love is by that but we can actually live a life of love and we can love others like Christ has loved us so I'm excited about this series I'm excited that we're going to learn how to love one another even during difficulty just like these Christians in the letter of one john we're living under great difficulty it's possible to be a christian in good times and in hard times and again like we've been saying through the pandemic if you are feeling isolated or alone or you're feeling like you're having a hard time please reach out to us reach out to each other but most of all reach out to jesus and ask him to help you through this time well the emphasis of this letter has already been uh something I've kind of shared there, but um, basically it's really important for us to understand if we are Christians what the basics of our faith are. So let's just uh, have a, a quick reiteration of that. Jesus is the Son of God who has come in the flesh. He showed us God's love through his incarnation, which means that he became a man. God, the Fa- God uh, Jesus, who had been with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, through eternity, uh, for all time has at this point in Christian history and this point in human history actually became a man and that's called the incarnation and that is crucifixion he shows us what love is no greater love ha- has anyone than this that he'd lay down his life for his friends so Jesus is God who comes to love us so that we can actually see what God's love is and love him and love each other The other thing that this is going to pick up is that as we love one another, another big theme in this letter is that we are not uh, going to continue to habitually sin if we are truly God's people. We have an assurance that Christ's death on the cross and resurrection is enough for us to have eternal life. After all, we're told that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a deposit guaranteeing our eternal life. So we can be confident As Christians that we can't lose our salvation if we trust in Jesus Christ he is able to hold us because he is the incarnate son of God he is God and so he is all powerful he can save us so what it talks about there about sin is that the biggest human problem is our own sin and here the letter is going to deal with this problem of sin it's going to talk to us about the fact that when we sin we can have forgiveness in Jesus as we repent But also because we are forgiven and we are saved, we are going to fight against sin in our life. And the phrase I'm going to use for that today is that we're not going to habitually sin. We're not going to let sin become a habit. We're not just going to let go and lean into sin. We're going to fight against the sin in our life. We remain sinners while we're on this earth, but John is going to confidently say that our character has changed and our focus has changed, that we are going to want to love God and be loved by him and love others instead of sinning. So that's going to be exciting to see how the sin doesn't have victory over us when we're in Christ Jesus. But if we know that God loves us and that we trust him, we can be confident that one day we will be sinless when we have eternal life in heaven. So let's live now as we will live then. So we're basically going to dive into chapter one now, and I want to just spend a few uh, moments with you having a look at the first few verses of chapter one. Now we've had a bit of an orientation To the book that we're going to be reading together. So, if you've already closed your Bibles, you might like to open up to 1 John and have a read along. Um, I'm sure there'll be some text that will come up on the screen too to help us as we read this together. But let's just have a think of the first four verses as we look at 1 John. This is really concerned with the false teaching that's trying to take people away from the certainties of what I've already been talking about there. Let's have a look at the text itself. One John chapter one, that watch. Sorry, I'll say that again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. He begins really clearly by saying that he has experienced the love and the the uh, the incarnate Jesus that he's going to be talking to us about. Jesus is a man that John was best friends with we know from the gospels that john was a fisherman with his brother james when he first met jesus jesus invited john into his uh, discipleship group and john became his disciple now in his gospel the gospel of john where john tells the story of jesus's life he doesn't actually refer to himself by name just like he doesn't refer to himself by name in one john but what he calls himself in the gospel of john is the one that jesus loved And I really love that phrase, the one that Jesus loved. We know that amongst all the disciples, John had a very special place in Jesus' team. And it might not even be a stretch to say that John was actually Jesus' best friend in amongst all those disciples. It's interesting that right through Jesus' life, John was there at all the major points of Jesus' life and indeed even his death. He was there at the beginning when Jesus began his ministry. He was there for the miracles where he saw that Jesus had authority over the environment, over the spiritual world and over human beings. He listened to Jesus' teaching. He was also one who um, also was rebuked by Jesus as well as taught by Jesus. And really importantly, when Jesus had the transfiguration where he actually met on the, uh, the hill there with Moses and Elijah, John was there to witness that event with Peter. But really interestingly... John was the only disciple who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. So here in 1 John, when John says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, he's literally referring to the fact that he has been in the same place as Jesus throughout his whole ministry. But there is part of Jesus' ministry and life that John wasn't a part of, and that's referred to there in the first part of verse 1 because he says there, as he does at the beginning of his gospel, John, he says that which was from the beginning. In other words, Jesus is God because the only one who was there at the beginning is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were intimately involved in the creation of the whole world and the creation of us. And here, John is witnessing this incarnate Son of God who has come to be with us. And now through being a part of that ministry and a part of that life, John is proclaiming concerning this incarnate Son of God who he calls in verse 1, the Word of Life. So just as God had spoken to us in the past, now he has spoken to us through his Son and Jesus himself said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. And that's going to be a key theme of this letter that we have here today. In verse 2, he goes on and says, The life appeared, we have seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And again, that's another indication that God, that Jesus is fully man, but he is also fully God. That he is eternal life. Now, something I find hard to get my head around is this. Eternity stretches forwards forever, doesn't it? But according to the Bible, God never had a beginning. So the mind-blowing implication of this verse is that eternity stretches forward forever and also stretches backwards forever. Now, my finite human brain cannot conceptualize eternity stretching into the past forever as well as into the future that that is how great and powerful god is that he has always existed he is the alpha and the omega and it's interesting actually if we uh, come back to revelation in the future that john also writes the revelation about the end times and again we see this as a very strong theme in that letter as well that god is so far above us And what is our response to this great God? Verse 3 We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that absolutely astounding? He writes this so that we might know what he has seen and heard, first of all. That's the first point in verse 3. That we might be able to take advantage of the amazing privilege that John had to witness the life of Jesus and to also experience his love and teaching. So that if we actually hear that message, John makes the amazing claim here that we will actually become disciples of Jesus too. So through hearing the message and putting our faith in the one who is preached, Jesus Christ, we become disciples of Christ. Now, we don't become part of the 12 apostles. That is a unique historical group. And we could talk about that more later. However, all Christians join in the fellowship that John was invited into when he first became a disciple of Jesus. In other words, when Jesus in John 14 writes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one has come to the Father but by me. He is speaking that directly to his 12 disciples at the time. But in writing that message down, John is actually giving us access to that way as well as him. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus could have come and died for 12 people and then 12 people may have uh, had the promise of eternal life, but he didn't. What he did was he, he came so that all who hear the message... That John is writing down in 1 John might also enter into that fellowship as well through hearing the gospel and then repenting of our sins and trusting in Jesus Christ to have paid for our sins we are forgiven and the only barrier between us and uh, God is taken away by Jesus and so we enter into this beautiful word fellowship now when I was a younger kid I used to find the word fellowship a boring word to be honest It was a word that I didn't use with my mates. I didn't use to invite a new friend into our peer group by saying, would you like to join our fellowship? (laughs) I did like reading Lord of the Rings and see there was a fellowship of the rings. But other than fellowship of the rings, it just seemed a foreign word to me as a young person. Doubly so when I'd go to church because we had this strange thing called a fellowship tea at our church. At Guymer Anglican Church, the fellowship tea would involve everyone in the church being invited to a dusty Sunday school hall, trestle tables would be erected, chairs would be brought from the stacked chairs along the sides of the wall so that the older people could sit down, and the tables were arrayed with, with food that everybody had brought along. And the word fellowship tea to me to begin with was probably one of the most boring things I could ever imagine because here I am thrown into this hall with these cut sandwiches and semi-cold pies and tomato sauce and cordial, which was often too weak to enjoy, and I was meant to enjoy the fellowship tea with the rest of the church. When I first started going along to those fellowship teas, I didn't understand it was about relationship. I focused on the actual event rather than on the actual people who were there. And as I focused on the event as a young teenager, I didn't really like it. I would have preferred to go surfing with my friends or go to the movies or go to watch a soccer game or play a soccer game. I didn't enjoy eating cut sandwiches. But over time, those little cut sandwiches came to symbolize something new to me as I got to know the people who made those sandwiches. See, the people who had gone to the effort of preparing a little paper plate with six or seven little triangular cut chicken sandwiches on the plate had done that because they wanted to use those sandwiches as a way to love me. I didn't realize that to start off with because culturally I wasn't connected to that event. I just didn't see the meaning to it. But what I needed was a repetition of that event a number of times before I understood it. It reminds me of that traditional story of John. I reckon the first time those young men went to pick John up, they might have even been a bit I don't know, a bit, Oh, do I have to be the one to carry this old bloke back to church? He's been around forever. He doesn't know the latest things in culture. He doesn't understand me. I'm young. He's so old. Why do I have to carry him all the time? Why can't someone else have a go? But over time, what those young men would have understood as they carried John to church each week, if indeed that story is true, is they were probably going to experience the love of Jesus through this man John who had experienced Jesus firsthand and even though he just kept saying the same thing over and over love one another love one another they might have been like me when I was young when I used to hear Jack Derrett say the gospel over and over all the time every week they might have originally been a bit arrogant and thought look I've already heard that I need to move on to deeper things but what's interesting about this gospel uh, this sorry this letter of one John is that the fellowship that we've invited into is something that we need to experience in order to understand. See, this is not a hollow philosophy that we just hear once and then we can go, okay, I've heard that. We need to experience it and we need to live it out. Fellowship is a growing reality and it comes from our fellowship with God. You see here that God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are within fellowship with one another and Jesus gives us a way into that fellowship. And that also includes a fellowship with each other. And the essence of this fellowship is love. It's not just about, do I get something out of this? Do I have something that I relate to? But it's actually, what am I being given and what can I give is the essence of love here that is being spoken about. Now, in verse 5, he goes on and he says, Look, we've heard this message from him and we declare it to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now what's being spoken about there is a concept that is a very big theme in 1 John. It's also a big theme in John's Gospel and also in Revelation. Indeed, the whole Bible, even in the Old Testament, the idea is that God is light. There is this idea that there is no lie, there is no hidden truth if we have fellowship with God. He reveals the truth and that is contrasted with the darkness of sinful selfishness. That in, Christ, in God there is only light and there is no darkness. And in verse 6 he goes on to say that if we claim to have fellowship with this God of light and yet we walk in the darkness, we're not living out who we are supposed to be. We're not living out the truth. And the reality is because we're sinners and we do sin, we need to constantly be reminded of this truth to be brought back onto the path. Because the reality is if we keep walking in the light, verse 7, he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. So here's this beautiful way that Jesus talked about in John 14. That God is light and we're in darkness. But when we come to the one of light, Jesus, the word of truth, the word of light, he is our light and he can light our path. And our path here in verse 7 is described as fellowship. So when I first walk into a room full of a fellowship tea with people of different ages, all these old people cut sandwiches, and I think it's a bit daggy and a bit old fashioned, To be honest, also a bit of a waste of my time. I come to church for to hear the message. I come for an hour. Haven't I done my bit? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do when I come to church? I just come sing some songs, pray something, and then get it over within an hour, and then I'm going home. Well, actually, the fellowship of coming together as God's people is coming together to fellowship with God so we hear God speak to us and we speak to him. But we also speak to one another. And here 1 John is telling us, that the fellowship we have is not built by our feeling of relationship or how much we relate to the cut sandwiches on the table, but it's the act of Jesus himself that gives us our belonging. And it was the act of Jesus on the cross, his atonement, where he shed his blood for us that purifies us from all sin. Now, what does that mean in reality? We talk about that a lot, don't we? Well, in the last couple of verses, he unpacks that. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is in us. Okay, so let's start there. The truth is, humbly admit that as human beings, we're sinful. This side of heaven, we're always going to fight the fight of faith. But if we stop fighting, we're not actually a Christian. If we habitually sin and just give in to sin, we're actually... Not actually working with the Holy Spirit who is making us more like Jesus. In verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So here's this act of grace. This statement here in verse 9 is that God is actually giving us forgiveness and purifying us for all our sin. And in verse 10, if we claim that we've not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. So what's really interesting here is if we want to be people of light and truth but we pretend that we don't sin, then we make God out to be a liar which is the opposite of what he is. And we're actually ignoring the incarnation of Jesus that is saying that he is actually God. Jesus is God. He has become a human but he is not like us and he doesn't sin and he is perfect. Only he has the power to actually save us from our imperfections. Now, some people have said to me that in an Anglican church, sometimes, uh, Stu, why do we start every church service praying and asking for forgiveness of sins when Jesus, you, you also say to us, Jesus died on the cross once and for all for sin, why do we have to keep saying sorry, God, all, every week? Well, I think 1 John is such a loved um, section of the Bible for us because it actually gives us an answer to why we do that. In... Um, in this first chapter what we're being told is if we're honest we know two things that we do sin but because he has forgiven us we are not going to walk in that darkness as verse 6 told us we're going to attempt to walk in the light and that brings me to uh, the final thing i want to encourage us with today we are forgiven of our sin and sin doesn't have to be our master as it once was before we had jesus because when we become a christian god gives us his holy spirit to work in us In 1 Peter, Peter talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us to become more like Jesus. So he is changing us day by day and we're encouraged to work with him in that change. Coming back to that story of John when he was telling the young people to love one another, that was actually him saying, fight the fight of faith, don't habitually sin. Don't be selfish and live your life just for yourself, but love each other and be other person focused and learn over time what it means to be in the fellowship. As I said a couple of times already, the first time I went to a fellowship tea at Geimer Anglican Church, I actually was bored out of my mind. But after I'd been doing fellowship teas for about five or six years, I'd actually made so many good friends over those cut sandwiches that I actually now credit cut sandwiches as being one of the things that kept me a Christian during some of the most tumultuous lives days of my life as a teenager. At times where I felt the most doubt, the times where I didn't want to fight the fight of faith, the times that I was weak in my faith, the fellowship tea was a place where not only did I have my family and my peers as Christians to lean on, but I had my aunties and uncles and I had my grandparents in the faith who I could go and sit with over a cup of tea and a cut sandwich and have fellowship. That fellowship Is what we too can enjoy even if we can't meet physically together at the moment by the fact that we can be praying for one another at the very least and i want to encourage you not to lose hope because this pandemic is going to end and the days of isolation from one another are going to end and yes there's going to be some working out what does that look like as we work that out over the next coming weeks and months ahead of us but be assured that we are actually in fellowship with one another because we are in fellowship with God himself. And the times of separation will end and we will actually be able to continue to walk through this dark time knowing that this is just a season in our lives. I'm hoping that 1 John will be an extra encouragement to us to not only long for that fellowship, which one day we will be able to taste in in the flesh again together, Maybe, by the way, I'll just put it out there. Maybe the first thing we do when we get back as a church is have a fellowship tea and have some cut sandwiches and some, some hot pies. I think that would be terrific. Not something we have to do, but imagine that. But even that, as fun as that is to look forward to, is just a glimpse of the fact that one day the fellowship tea we have in heaven will be the most amazing banquet we will ever experience. You are going to that banquet if you've put your faith in Jesus. That's what 1 John's about. Fight the fight of faith in season and out season live for Jesus, walk in the light until we see the day where we'll be gathered together with our Lord Jesus Christ and we will see him face to face and we'll be with him forever. This letter is encouraging us not to lose hope. And my encouragement to you today is even though this drags on, please don't lose hope.
1: Thank you, Stewie. Oh, losing some glasses there. Sorry. Thank you for your encouraging message. Appreciate it. There's um, something that I always notice that John keeps doing in his letters, whether it's uh, One John yeah. or um, his Gospel. Is he always talks about um, Jesus being God from the very beginning? Why does he do that? Is that to establish his status as being fully man and fully mm-hmm. God?
6: Yeah, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? It's um, it's interesting in the Gospel of John and in One John that he says, "In the beginning uh, was it went, you know Jesus is pre-existent." his birth uh we also see resonances with genesis chapter one don't we that in the beginning uh god created the heavens and the earth so that that phrase in the beginning is very powerful it's 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 leading us to the fact that yeah who we're dealing with with jesus is the incarnate son of god he's he's become a human being and he's fully human but he's also fully god and that gives him great authority to actually bring us into fellowship with god and each other so the assurance we get from that, and the power to live a life in that reality, all comes from His Godhead. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's pretty cool, um, Lewis. I thought that you might like to share something about um, being assured in your faith. How does um, what Stu's talking about today? How do you do you uh, resonate with that feeling of being feeling assured in your faith in, in God?
0: Mm. Yeah, to think for a sec. Um, Sorry, right. I think. Something I've learned, being a new Christian throughout this year, is that I am always learning about the diff, like the the distinctions between being fully assured in God at all times, and then being really skeptical of my own actions and behavior as well, mm-hmm. um, and questioning that, and seeing like where sin is being revealed in places that I haven't noticed before. Um, and so I think there's always a battle between like feeling assured and that. I am being guided and taken care of and am and, and being, being made a better person, sorry. And also, um, yeah, I suppose remaining vigilant and always, so I suppose it's like, yeah, skeptical of my own behavior and motives as well.
1: Have you always yeah. been a reasonably skeptical person?
0: <laughs> I think most people who know me would say so, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's interesting though, because it kind of plays into the habitual sin thing that you were talking about, Stu. I mean, I think sometimes that we, as Christians, even though maybe even we know that we're forgiven, we get tricked into thinking that we are mm. just habitually sinful, and we there's nothing that can change it. Mm. And that was something you were talking about as well, is that through Jesus' death on the cross, we've been we've been completely purified. I'm just wondering if you can um, touch back on that a little bit to encourage people that are, uh, feel like they are trapped in habitual sin. I think that would be cool to talk about that a bit more. Yeah,
6: I think I think it's interesting. Just before we started the podcast, actually, I was chatting uh, with some people that. Um, I think sometimes having fellowship with one another in the church is a wonderful gift that God's given us, that we we have fellowship with Him and fellowship with each other. And uh, sometimes God uses other people to help us. But sometimes making those relationships with others can be really hard and it can be um, something you don't get an immediate satisfaction out of. And that's why I told that story today about the cut sandwiches. Like I just to start off with, they're a symbol of how out of date the church was. But then after I'd been eating cut sandwiches for five years, they're a symbol of my family. And so sometimes it takes a while for you to be able to get to a point in relationships where we can trust each other enough to let other people really help us. And I don't know if you're like this, but I'm I'm a pretty private person and it can be really hard to share with other people. I'm also a fairly self-reliant person. So I like to uh, try and fix stuff if, if stuff is going wrong. But it's been a humbling experience during my life to see how many times I've needed my brothers and sisters and I still need my brothers and sisters to help me through different trials that I go through. Uh, in, in Calvin's commentary on another letter, the letter to Galatians, uh, in Galatians chapter 6, Paul says that we should bear one another's burdens. And in Calvin's commentary, he talks about the fact that the burdens we help carry uh, are often burdens of sin. And he says there that not all sins are willful sins. There are willful sins. And sometimes he describes in his commentary there that sometimes we're caught by the fowler. And and I'd like to illustrate that briefly by saying, imagine if I woke up in the morning and I thought to myself, I'm going to willfully sin today. I'm going to have a habitual sin. I love stealing apples and I'm going to go up to the shops today and I'm going to steal an apple and I'm going to work out how I'm going to get there. I'm going to work out when to do it so no one sees me. And I get out of my bed and I walk up to the road and I willfully sin and I pull that apple out and I eat it. Now, if I'm at a point of willful sinning and habitually sinning, my brothers and sisters who know me might need to really challenge me strongly on that and say, Stu, what are you doing with that? But I don't think we should. Um, we should be really careful how we, we um, help each other with the burden of sin because Calvin says also sometimes uh, we can be trapped by the fowler so rather than waking up in the morning and going up and get and stealing an apple off the apple cart knowing that that's what I'm going to do I might walk past the apple cart and in an instant be tempted and take it and the fowler the the devil is like one who traps fowls the fowler like there's laid a trap for me so to speak and but also my own sinfulness has not been able to you know withstand that and i take an apple now if i've not willfully sinned, but i've just fallen into sin that way calvin says that we probably should be more gentle with one another as that has taken place now isn't that quite a sophisticated look at sharing one another's burdens and and while it would be we don't have time to unpack that fully today the illustration i want to make from that is it takes relationship to be able to be able to be able to discern with one another If we have permission to speak into those contexts and and how to speak into those contexts and so i'd like to finish off that explanation by saying the way i look at it is it's like we're building a bank account with one another when we have fellowship we are christian we are saved we are part of the same family but it takes us a while to learn how to express that so the way i like to build a bank account with my brothers and sisters is i like to encourage other people and be encouraged by then so that I've put so many deposits in someone's life and they've put so many deposits in my life that by the time I need a withdrawal, there is something in the relationship that I've got to be able to withdraw from. And I've actually been helped greatly by people I've been friends with for many years who've been able to say, Stuart, are you going all right with that? And because we've got such a bank account, I am them feeling safe and I can say, actually, I need a bit of help with this. I think I've fallen into an habitual sin and I think I'm willfully sinning in this area, but I don't want to because I'm a child of God. Can you help me? And that's an aspect of fellowship that probably is a very difficult thing to mature, but I think it's a great uh, goal to try and attain. Mm.
1: I mean, something that I'm um, thinking about as you're saying that, shoe is the in Romans 5 where he talks about... Um uh, because of Jesus' death, we're not just reconciled to God; we're reconciled to others. That's something I've been really thinking about a lot, which is really cool. But in that sense, because we because of that fact, yeah. we can share one another's burdens, like you're exactly talking about, um, Lewis. Another question, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. um, you you said before that you're a recently new Christian. I was just wondering if you might be able to share your own experience in terms of knowing, like seeing your relationships change with church and um, how that. Uh, has helped you basically become well sanctification is the process but um bearing one of those burdens um improving your character is there something you feel like you can share about that as, as you've become as you've been a christian for a longer period of time
0: um i am putting you on the spot this is what I, this yep. is my job <laughs> put people yep. on the spot so sorry um so like you're uh, you're asking for like what changes have i noticed yeah this
1: just anything you think that you've seen from when you first became a Christian to being in relationship with mm. people because their relationships are changed by Jesus, mm.
0: how's that changed yourself? I think um, a recent development that I've kind of been thinking about is I've, I've often find I often find myself kind of um, so I was really looking forward to judgment and like you know thinking about like all the evil in this world and like you know looking forward to that being. That sentence being served so to speak but i suppose a recent kind of thought i've had is that's probably like the wrong way to be going about it because i deserve that exact same wrath Um, and the more i think about how i became a christian and um looking back on it like it really was all thanks to god like i did absolutely nothing and so to for me to think like oh that person deserves it like it just completely misconstrues the entire message of the gospel in a way um and so i've really been trying to work on that and make sure that isn't a thought i carry on because i think it leaks into my relationships and mm. makes me more prone to lashing out at others and like justifying getting angry at them instead of like you know Stu's story about uh, when he was young like it would have been super easy to just say like shut up Stu like you, you dog <laughs> like don't talk to me like that but like no he actually had like the love of christ in him and the forbearance and the patience um and then the wisdom too to to know what was best for Stu in that moment and like, mm.
1: yeah. But you, in that example, you're you're fighting against the habitual sin, right? Mm. That's what's really cool. Anyway, we'll wrap that up this segment. I uh, hope you take a lot of encouragement in that. Thank you very much, Stu, for, for preaching the word. Um, hopefully we can continue to bear one, as burth- one another's burdens and um, we can continue to love each other so that we can become more sanctified, more like Jesus, because that's the point, right? And, we, and it comes freely as... Um, Lewis said. So, thank you very much for that. We're going to um, another way that we get sanctified is obviously talking to God. So, we're going to do that right now. We're going to um, Anna's going to pray for us.
5: Hello, everyone. I have the privilege of leading us in prayer today. So, I would love it if you could join me. Close your eyes, bow your heads, kneel, do whatever you do that helps you to focus on chatting with God. That's what we're gonna be doing now. So please join me. Dear, beautiful, caring, compassionate father, you are so holy, so perfect, so what we all need, not just right now, but always. You are worthy of our praise, worthy of our glory, worthy of our devotion. Thank you for being you. Help us, Lord, to be more like you. May we never give up aspiring to be holy as you are holy. May we continue striving every day of our lives for holiness. May we run the race with our eyes always fixed on you. As we slowly get more and more freedoms from lockdown, Lord, we ask that we can um, be given the strength that we need to love one another. We get more and more freedoms. We're socializing again after so long. And so many of us have been on our own, in our own lives, focusing on ourselves and our own survival for such a long time, Lord, that we have grown accustomed to pleasing ourselves, taking care of our own needs and doing what is needed to help ourselves get by. Lord, we ask as we begin to meet together, for picnics and exercise and all kinds of other things, we ask that you will be helping us to be loving, that you'll be giving us tolerance toward, towards others. Help us to be patient when we need patience. Help us to be empathetic, understanding what, trying to understand what it's like for other people in, in their lives. And help us to always be kind. May we be like your son, Jesus, and show unconditional love to every member of society, whatever their beliefs, whatever their opinions. As we do chat and have conversations together, help us to choose our words wisely. May we be encouraging. May our words be full of life and wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you that we are all one in Christ Thank you for uniting us. There is no male and female, no Jew and Gentile. You call us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ first and foremost. And we are, we are united in that. Help us to, to love each other. Help us to carry out your will. Even when we do have different opinions, Lord. We thank you also for our church. Thank you for all those who have given up their time to love and serve other members of the body here at Soul Revival Church. At this time where most of us can only meet up online or in the small picnics or over phone phone calls or Zoom. Help us to be inclusive. Help us to think of others. Help us think of those known to us who may need extra love and support, especially, Lord, for those who live alone and for those who are prone to depression and anxiety. We pray, Lord for those especially who are fearful of the future. Help us to love all these people, but also we ask, Lord, that you will provide comfort to them through these trying times. We pray for those impacted, Lord, by the situation in Afghanistan. We pray for those who are displaced by the situation. We ask that you will provide protection and provision for so many refugees who are seeking safety. We pray for the children. We ask that schools and educational programs can somehow function. We ask that you will preserve the dignity and wellness of children and protect them from all kinds of abuses. We pray for the believers in the region and ask that they find strength, wisdom and peace in your promises. May the believers receive the pastoral care that they need. Finally, Lord, we ask that you help us be brave. Every time we turn on the news, we are hit with a wave of fear-induced information and it's so easy to take our eyes off you, like Peter did in the boat. Stare at scary events around us and then we start sinking may we not be afraid may we keep our eyes fixed on you may we put our trust in you knowing that you are in control and you are all-powerful please help us to not fear anything in this world knowing that our names are written in the book of life and we have a most wonderful place to go that you have prepared for us the only thing we need to fear is you and that is more of a reverent fear lord because you are so awesome as we live another day we know that we are another day closer to jesus return and we say come come lord jesus amen
1: back, everyone. Uh, it's time to wrap up the digital gathering for today on Saturday night, but I am joined again by Courtney and Lewis. Now, Lewis, you made quite a few notes during the sermon, which I'm mm-hmm. very impressed with, but I'd be love to hear some of the things you took out of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me list them all.
0: <laughs> um, I won't waste too much time, but I, one, I suppose this is more of a, there are probably more practical points to raise, but I did particularly like this one part. I very much liked watching the theme of fellowship developed throughout it. Mm. So it started off with Stu talking about, I think it was called the Fellowship Tea, was yep. that what they called it? Yep. Um, and how Stu at first kind of thought it was a bit bit lame, didn't quite understand what the, the point of it was and then soon realized it was actually the relationships that he built there. Um, and he did m- make a like a joke or a pun at one point about like Fellowship of the Rings, like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and it got me thinking like, because I know like those books are meant to be kind of an analogy for like the Bible or biblical themes, but I never really quite, like, I saw bits and pieces, but I'm like, yeah, it's probably a loose adaptation kind of thing. But thinking about, like, the whole concept of the first film when, like, all the characters get together, they're quite a ragtag team of unlikely people. And, like, a lot of them, like, there's even, like, racial tension between some of them. Like, they just don't like each other. Mm. Um, and I got me thinking, like, Stu, I think in a sermon, it would have been this year, talked about how um, there were so many different people in Jesus' followers, mm. like the tax collectors and the, the Jews and the Zealots and all these different types coming together, which would have never happened And they all kind of gather around this one thing, and in a similar way, like no one gathered around the tea and the off cordial and all that stuff. Like they gathered there for the people and for the cause. Um, And I suppose, kind of like what John talks about in this letter, um, about how like life led by Christ, like we can see things and like everything is illuminated, and we understand it for what it is, and we're not in like the darkness of sin. Um, And that light versus darkness kind of imagery is super common and fantasy and all, I suppose, like, fiction now. Um, but, yeah, just seeing, like, that all come together, it'd be like, yes, like, we actually combat sin together, like, in fellowship. And then when we gather around things like like a Zoom call or, you know, whatever, things that aren't, like, super fun, but, like, we're there for each other, you mm. know what I mean? And, yeah. yeah, I thought that was really cool. I totally agree. What do you reckon? Yeah, 40?
2: I feel like the pandemic is a time where fellowship is so hard to find. But I feel like in our solis community at the moment, I've found it even more deeply during this pandemic than maybe I otherwise would. Uh, at the moment, the girls, every Monday afternoon, we're doing a little fitness class, which has been really fun. Cool. <laughs> um, and then now on Thursday nights, we're doing like a chick flick night with all the um, late night girls. So it's super lovely to be able to get to know people that maybe I didn't even know before this pandemic um, and to be able to share in fellowship with them in different ways mm. throughout the week. And um If you want to be involved in either of those things, hit us up.
1: How do do they they get involved? (laughs) Yeah, just
2: like um, send me a message, send Katie a message. Um, We're super keen to get people involved and to include everybody. Um, But yeah, I'm super excited to see how those relationships have been forming and that fellowship that we've been sharing over the pandemic will continue afterwards. I mean,
1: one of the cool things about the fellowship tea was that it was people of different ages um, just hanging out together around Jesus, right? And then you'd, you'd have tea, but like it's the same thing with what you're doing. If you have a Netflix watch party or whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter what age you are, you can just hang out and watch a movie together. Like it's totally possible. What kind of movies are you thinking of?
2: <laughs> I'm, I, I think uh, this week's one is going to be She's the Man. Looking forward to it. Um, But yeah, just what you're saying there, Joel, it really made me think about um, how (laughs) different generations do interact over those fellowship teas. I actually became a Christian um, through one of the older ladies at my old church. She was like in her 70s and I prayed and gave my life over to Christ with her. And I think that's a a really cool thing about our faith is that it doesn't matter what age we are. It doesn't matter who we are or what we like or whatever it may be. We do have that common, shared um, thing being our faith, and yeah, yeah, it was the coolest relationship that I had with her. Name's Mrs. Andrews, and I remember oh. her forever. Um, and praying with her to give my life over to Christ with her was um was pretty cool. And mm. there's people in our church, I think, that um are being being that for some of the kids that I see around. So
1: well, shout out to Mrs. Andrews. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> but I love what both of you guys are talking about is that, and it reminds me of um. We, it's a verse that we like to talk about here at Soroval is is uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven to 40, where it talks about love God and love others. And as we said in the sermon chat was, we're also reconciled to each other. So be able to do that, if we're Christians, it doesn't matter what age we are. And that's why we're such a fan of intergenerational ministry too, is that we can learn from others and be sanctified as we're talking about bearing one, one another's burdens, looking after each other, in many different ways, Netflix watch party, fellowship tea, all that kind of stuff is that—that's how we can actually, you know, grow to grow to love God better, and that's—and that's what's the exciting thing. So, good, good job, guys! I like <laughs> how you wrapped up the sermon. That's good work with your own personal examples. That's going to wrap us up. Also, uh, we have a couple of other podcasts that you might like to check out. Intergenerational Ministry is something I just mentioned. That's on the Shock Absorber podcast. And we also have the Chip Lunch podcast. And we're going to actually, on the way out of this, we might uh, tack on the end a little uh, clip from one of those podcasts if you're keen to have a look at that. Having said that, um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, We appreciate it. Please make sure that you are using the traffic light system to let anyone know if you need uh, a hand with anything or you're just struggling at at this particular time. We appreciate it. As we said, we are reconciled to god and also to each other so we can always help each other out and bear one another's burdens but for now we're going to sign off and say thank you but guys you remember how you always finish one way one way
6: and so we started off by thinking let's start being more relational in the church so instead of seeing the church as a place that was just an event that you go to and then you go out into the world to be relational, we started bringing that relationality into the church by saying, Saturday night is a time we're all going to hang out with each other. It's not in a program of the church. It wasn't even an official ministry of the church to start off with. It was just a group of, t- uh, of young adult youth leaders saying, let's hang with each other. If we're encouraging the kids to be a community, why don't we be a community?